Before we get started, I have a quick note. When the campus buildings closed, we lost access to our studios, and our reporters had to record interviews a whole new way. Things may not sound as good as they did before because I'm recording this intro underneath my own blanket. But the Chronicle hasn't stopped reporting, and while it took us a few weeks to figure out how to make this podcast sound as good as it did, we're going to be back on air releasing this episode alongside our special issue, which you can find at ColumbiaChronicle.com. This podcast and that issue will focus on the biggest stories from our coronavirus coverage. Some of the stories may be a bit older, and you may have read them online already, but these are the biggest, most important stories you need to know from the Columbia Chronicle in the last few weeks. To my generation, today we are making history! It's embarrassing to us as a nation all over the world they're talking about Chicago. I campaigned on change, you voted for change, and I plan to deliver change to our government. You're listening to Chronicle Headlines. One of the reasons I'm perpetually excited about Columbia is that we have chosen to be different. Welcome in. I'm Blaze Messer. It's been almost two months since Columbia suspended in-person classes due to the coronavirus pandemic. How has Columbia managed the pandemic so far? We checked back in with reporters to recap some of the biggest stories during the past two months. On April 1st, the Chronicle began its Difficult to Transfer series, which examines this question. How do some majors move classes online? I have Kendall Polidori, Jonah Acuto, and Lauren Leesenby, who have all helped me with this series. Now, the series has since wrapped up, and you can go to ColumbiaChronicle.com to read the full thing, from theater to fashion to, to a little bit of everywhere. But we are looking at how Columbia has managed the pandemic Kendall, you looked at the music department and their online classes. That seems like a pretty performance-based class with a lot of, you know, needing an audience and this, that, and the other. So how was that transition to online learning managed? What were your sources telling you? Yeah, so um, surprisingly, a lot of the music courses um, actually had a pretty smooth transition online um, because a lot of students are fairly familiar with recording on their own or a lot of students have their own equipment at home. Um, so basically what a lot of courses did, um, they meet on Zoom um, and they have students with their own equipment in their own homes kind of playing um, and it got kind of like difficult with ensembles or say like private lessons though, rather than, you know, regular courses. Um, for private lessons, a lot of the instructors kind of recorded themselves um you know playing and then the students would listen to that on like a loop and kind of play to that while they were on zoom with their instructor um so kind of the same thing as playing with them but they don't have the professor there to kind of you know play something back or really direct them in real time um and then with the ensemble that was kind of the most like the most changed thing for the music department because obviously students aren't able to play in whole like as a whole group um so what they're doing is they're having students that are able to um record on their own whether that be you know singing or playing an instrument such as like guitar or drums um so each student records on their own and then they're having somebody put together like a compilation project um so there will be a video or an audio recording um, kind of bringing all of those individual recordings together. 
I'm curious how the breakdown was between student reaction and then maybe professor or chair upper level administration uh, reaction to these courses. Did they say anything different? In the reporting I had done for the fashion department, professors and chairs, it all seemed kind of upbeat and pretty positive about how things had gone on. But students were, like you said, they were a little upset. They weren't necessarily blaming teachers or professors, but they were definitely a different tone than professors. Was that the same in music? Yeah, for the music department, um, all the professors um, that I spoke to were all very positive. Um, and the same with students, you know, while this is a situation that is not ideal and um, it's kind of hard for obviously people that play music and are musicians and that's like what they do, um, that's very performance based. Um, yeah, that's difficult, but everyone's going through it. So like everyone kind of had the same consensus that, you know, there's nothing really we can do. So we might as well use this as an opportunity to get creative and try new ways of, you know, creating music, producing, um, recording, um, everything like that. So I found with the music department story um, that a lot of people are pretty positive about it and they're using this time to kind of learn new avenues um, of creating music. So then, at least in the music, do I have this correct, that most students probably had guitars or pianos or whatever instrument or whatever they played, they already had that at home, is that right? Um, most of the students that I talked to, yes. Um, there was one student um, who studies drums at the college, and he does has have his own drum set, but because he moved back home um, and his parents work and he has other people in his home doing things, um, I believe he has siblings doing, you know, like online classes as well. Um, he's unable to play his drums and practice. Now, access to equipment kind of varied in what people needed. In the fashion department and the stories that I looked at, one student simply needed a computer and software on that computer and had some difficulties with that. But Jonah, you looked at the CTVA department, and Lauren, you looked at photography. And correct me if I'm wrong, but some of those departments involve like studio-level classes with all this equipment that could cost a lot of money, and it's just something you can't really replicate uh, back at home. So Jonah, let, let's go to you first. How did some CTVA students try and cope without their equipment? Yeah, I mean, my article that I wrote, I, I focused specifically on the practical course, which acts as sort of like the thesis film that a lot of the BFA level or just higher level film students at the school work on. Um, and the way that that functions is that it, it sort of works just as a traditional film studio production would. So you're on a soundstage and you're using expensive lighting equipment and you're shooting on RED or RE, really expensive cameras. And so there's a great deal of equipment and stuff like that that goes into it. Um, and so to adapt sort of those classes and some of the other higher level directing classes where you produce short films, um, they pretty much just had to try to find different supplemental projects for students to work on because there is just no way to, I mean, you know, film production worldwide has been halted as well. So it's not just, you know, sort of a Columbia thing. Um, and so supplementary projects range from things like photo romans, which are like slideshows that you sort of attach a soundscape to, to more theoretical sort of pre-production work as if you were going to shoot the film. Um, but really there hasn't been a, a real firm way that they've been able to transition that exact sort of class setup. And then Lauren, in photography, was it more of the same or was there more success transferring some of these studio classes online? Yeah, so um, actually one thing that didn't quite make it into the story is that um, there's like a studio lighting course, which um, is about students obviously learning how to light for a shoot in a, in a studio. Um, 
but they have, there's a software that students have been given access to by the college that can kind of replicate um, that process. So you, you have like different functions on that software that can allow you to kind of sim simulate what it would be like to um, sort of create a, a lighting escape in a studio. Um, so they have uh, things like that, uh, but there are a lot of things that are, are missing from uh, student what am I trying to say? A lot of things that are missing from the typical education. The, the student experience. There's yes, the student experience. Yeah. Um, they were allowed to take home some certain pieces of equipment. If you were enrolled in certain courses, you were able to check that equipment out. Like right before um, campus sort of closed down, you, um, the photography students were allowed to check some equipment out to have over the uh, rest of the semester so they do have some equipment but uh, they are without those like studio spaces no dark room uh, no printing facilities things like that yeah, and we should mention that uh, we'd found similar things kind of throughout the series that columbia was able to send some things like in fashion sewing machines were able to be sent over but some of the more industrial larger things simply put weren't so i want to open this question up with everyone and lauren we'll go to you first did students still feel that they were learning? There's been a lot of momentum, you know, really nationwide about people saying online classes are just not the same as in-person classes, but do students feel they were getting the same experience and learning the same things? Yeah, one of my favorite stories that I came across while reporting was uh, the story of a student who had to essentially create her own dark room. Uh, she created it in her own her laundry room at her parents' house. So she had to learn how to create a darkroom, essentially, and do all the functions that would be done in a darkroom by herself. Uh, the school mailed cyanotype kits to the students, but she, from there, had to, um, she said, create something out of nothing. So she felt like she was really learning how to do that. Uh, I think, um, but some of the students, it's obviously difficult when you don't have the facilities or the things that you need to kind of go to that upper level, um, especially graduate students I talked to felt like they were really uh, missing out on the graduate equipment that is available to them that really helps their education. And then Jonah, same question to you. How are CTVA students feeling about their ability to learn remotely? Bad. Um, yeah, people aren't thrilled, um, especially because so many of the higher level CTVA courses rely on um, getting big, big projects in that take sometimes 50 to 75 people to work on, right? Um, and, you know, one of the things that I, I talked to a student who is a directing focus, and one of the things about that he told me about the directing major um, is that really when you come out of school, you only have three or, you know, two or three big projects that you can put on a portfolio because it takes like a year to produce one thing as a director versus somebody that's a cinematographer, you can shoot 10 things in the same year. Um, so to lose on one of those things, especially if it is like your thesis film, is a huge, huge deal. Um, and so people are quite upset about it. Um, a lot of what people are being told now is, you know, work with what you have at home, you know, but people feel that we're not paying 20 grand a semester to shoot on an iPhone, you know, frankly. Um, so people have been upset. They don't blame anybody for the situation as a whole because there's nobody to blame, um, but people are not thrilled. Can I want to touch on that last point, Jonah, and I'll open this up to the rest of you, but in the fashion department, some of the reporting I had did, students were upset. They couldn't get into some studios or facilities and simply put, they said, I can't produce the same level of work, but hey, it'll be great experience trying to adapt and maneuver. And that's something that the chair of the fashion department, Colby Reed said, 
you know, this is life. You're going to have to adapt and maneuver to things. But every time I talked to a student, I said, well, who are you upset at? Are you upset at someone specific? And they all kind of said, not really. They understood professors were doing the best they could. That's what the students were telling me. Did you hear similar things in uh, your respective reporting? Kendall, we can start with you. What were music students saying? Were they upset at anyone? Um, no, I don't think anybody was really upset um, at one person. Um, I don't think in this situation there is really anybody to be upset with. Um, a couple of people that I did speak to, um, you know, said that the college could do better um, just with providing more resources um, to students or, you know, there really hasn't, recently there's been um, some mention of like refunds um, and stuff like that. But again, like Jonah said, like, are we really paying all this money um, to kind of do everything on our own? And I would say like, especially with music students in that sense, while they are, you know, still on a Zoom call for private lessons, they are kind of doing the whole entire lesson on their own um, and then kind of waiting for that feedback after. Um, so I don't know, nobody was really pointing finger, fingers, but it's, you know, it's hard not to be upset or, you know, feel like you're not receiving the education that you're paying for. So when we're looking back at how Columbia has managed the pandemic so far, did any of your students in your reporting offer any advice or things they had wish were done differently? Kendall, we'll stick with you. Yeah, they mostly, um, one person said, you know, especially with classes, um, one of the sources that I interviewed said um, that they were getting a lot of like extra, like supplemental work on top of the work that they already had, um, which isn't appreciated, you know, like, when you have a certain amount of classwork um, that you were kind of expecting for the whole semester, then to be thrown in like this situation, a global pandemic where you're at home learning on your own, having to do everything remotely, not really getting the education that you expected, and then having to do more work on top of that, like, you know, such as like watching more films and writing papers and stuff like that. Um, so they weren't very happy about that. Um, and they said that, you know, professors should be understanding, you know, to keep the work that was intended for the course. Mm -hmm. um, but also some of my sources said, you know, just making sure that all professors and administration are understanding of students at this time, which I think a good majority have been. Um, and that's been a decent experience at Columbia where, you know, if a student has an issue, um, they're able to communicate that and get a response. So, And then, Lauren, same question to you. How did Columbia students feel that um, their education was managed when moving classes remotely in the photography department? Yeah, I think almost everybody I talked to um, from the top, you know, administrators down to students, including faculty, said that they were pretty happy with how the photography department was handling that transition. Um, they felt like the communication has been there, the support has been there, the professors are have been understanding um, and have been working with students through um, some of the issues that have kind of um, come up as like a result of all of this. So I think they were generally happy with how the photography department is handling it. They had some things to say about, um, again, like we've talked about the wishing there were 
refunds for things that they felt like they're missing out on. Um, but for the most part, it was positive and they felt um, like how this is being handled is as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. And we weren't able to bring on everyone who worked on a difficult to transfer story in that series because they were just too many of us and we only have so much time. So go to ColumbiaChronicle.com for the full series or you can look at the special May 11th edition that wraps up some of our biggest stories from the past few weeks. Uh, Jonah, Kendall, Lauren, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks. Thanks. If you want more coronavirus coverage, check out our May 11th specialty issue. In Metro News, street performers have been hit hard during the pandemic. As reported by the Columbia Chronicle April 13th, the street band Chicago Traffic Jam had to set up a GoFundMe to help support the band members. Michael Malinowski was making between $100 to $150 a day when he performed before the pandemic. But buskers aren't the only performers struggling. In Arts and Culture News, I think the best thing a musician could do right now is just adapt. That was Max Loebman, singer and guitarist for the band Rookie. As reported by the Chronicle March 23rd, bands are rescheduling shows during the pandemic, and the same goes for music venues. For additional reporting on all of these stories, go to ColumbiaChronicle.com. But before you go, we have one final story. Now, I got an email this morning about a Zoom commencement for the communication department, but that isn't necessarily what Columbia is doing. I have managing editor Mari Devro with me now. So Mari, I'm seeing graduation pics, Zoom commencements for a whole classes, and then of course the Zoom commencement I had gotten this morning for the, the communication department, but is that what Columbia is doing? What's their plan for graduation? No, actually Columbia is planning on postponing commencement ceremonies for this year's graduating seniors until next year in 2021. Then how much do we know about this uh, 2021 postponed commencement? You know what happens with caps and gowns? I'm hearing some people saying that they were just mailed their caps and gowns. So what happens in a year from now? Do you know? So the school did leave the option open for students who still wanted to be mailed their caps and gowns if they wanted to celebrate on their own. So that's why some students might uh, still choose to receive their caps and gowns. But ultimately, uh, next year, there will be, there might be several ceremonies uh, for both the class of 2020 and the class of 2021, um, but we don't have too many specifics on that yet. So I know commencement would be about a week or two away if not for the pandemic. So if you're a senior listening to us right now, there's really nothing you have going on until next year. Is that what I'm getting from this? Yes, that is correct. But this wasn't Columbia's first idea to postpone commencement. Originally, commencement had been canceled. What was the reaction from students? It was largely disappointment. I mean, some students were the first in their family, first out of generations to graduate or to walk the commencement stage. Others had invited uh, their family members. And so, understandably, they were really upset about uh, about commencement being canceled outright. And I know we had done some reporting on that story. You can go to ColumbiaChronicle.com to look at some of the original uh, reactions. And I had spoken with Jade Moreno, who was one of the I'm first people here, in her family so to graduate. I'm actually from Texas, and I had more, like all of my family making huge plans, renting Airbnbs, all this. Like mm-hmm. I'm the first person in my family to even go to college, let alone graduate. So it was like a very big deal for me. And did you say that you, you shed a tear a little bit when you saw that graduation was canceled? Oh, yeah, that one made me cry. So, yeah, just hopeless and heartbroken. And-
But that was weeks ago, and I'm playing that clip because after the announcement, some students were thankful for a chance to walk across the stage, like senior radio major David Jackson. If I didn't have the opportunity to like walk that stage and, you know, my parents, my grandparents and my brother to like look at me walking the stage, you know, finally finishing college. If I didn't have that moment myself, I, I wouldn't really feel accomplished. So, Mari, as we've heard and discussed, people were sad and they were heartbroken. But then the college did, in fact, make this change. So was that kind of shift in opinion more representative of a larger base? I, I guess were students satisfied with this change? Yeah, I think most parents and students were a bit happier that there was at least the option to have commencement if this year's graduating seniors wanted it. Although most of them thought, you know, obviously it was pretty inconvenient to have it a whole year later because you don't know where you're going to be. You don't know what job you're going to have or if you're going to be able to make it back to walk to walk the stage eventually. Um, so they were still a little bit disappointed, not not as much as initially when commencement was canceled. Um, but some students thought it would be a good idea to have some sort of Zoom commencement uh, for the graduating class just to recognize um, their hard work and their efforts, even if they couldn't have the real deal. Mari, thanks so much for stopping by. That's all for this episode. For additional reporting on all these stories and more, go to ClumbyChronicle.com or follow us on our social medias. We are at CC Chronicle on Twitter and Instagram, and the Columbia Chronicle on Facebook and YouTube. Chronicle Headlines is made possible through the collaboration of WCRX, Chicago's Underground, and the Columbia Chronicle, along with the help of the chair of the Communication Department of Columbia College Chicago, Suzanne McBride. A special thanks to all of our guests today. It's been an honor, a pleasure, and a privilege. But I'll catch you next time.